It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, coming to you courtesy of CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network, which has 24-7 live coverage of sports and costs you absolutely nothing, 100% free at all times, loaded with the things that I always look for in sports coverage, highlights, breaking news, fantasy advice, gambling picks, although I don't know that they're going to be as good as my brother Craig's, but still useful, and quality analysis. All those things are first rate on the CBS Sports HQ, and they're not something that you get very often from a lot of these big-time sports personalities, <laughs> Skip Bayless. And the best part is, not only is it completely free, 24-7, it doesn't even require a subscription or a login. You just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, and any other connected device at any time to watch CBS Sports HQ. No fake debates, just sports for real sports fans, just like you get here on Play Like a Jet, at the great price of absolutely nothing. You don't even have to log in or sign up for anything. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet 1. And it's Jet Steelers week, so we're going to do a fun show. Been talking about doing this for quite a while. I don't know if you've listened to our friend Jim Garrity, who you've heard on this show a bunch of times, who is the senior political correspondent at National Review. He's a published author. He's on TV a bunch, and he's graced us with his presence here on this podcast, as well as doing his own podcast, The Three Martini Lunch. And he also does a podcast called The Jim and Mickey Show with Mickey White. And Mickey is a huge Steelers fan, so I thought it would be fun for us to all do a show together to talk about the Jets and the Steelers. I thought that this game might have a little bit more meaning for the Jets when we were first talking about it. Unfortunately, it doesn't. (laughs) But it does have meaning for the Steelers, so we'll get into what it means for the Jets, what it means for the Steelers. We'll hear about the Steelers from Mickey's side of the ledger because it'll get us prepared for this game coming up on Sunday. So first I'll bring in Jim, who you know from his multiple appearances on the show. Jim, thanks for coming back. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's terrific to be here, even in you know the, the grimmest and most morose of circumstances. Uh, it is cold and rainy where I am in Northern Virginia right now. Um, you can just, you know, the rain is coming down. The Redskins fans are coming down from high ledges. Um, it's it, it's miserable and ugly. I, I was so looking. Mickey and I had said this season was meant for us in the sense that you know the Jets had picked up Le'Veon Bell. Um, but, you know, and, and we were all kind of excited for this to be a good year for the Jets, good year for the Steelers. It really hasn't been. Uh, although I have a strong, I think there's a strong contrast between these two organizations, and I have a good, a good rant stored up on that one. Uh, but I'm going to hold off on that for for a little later. Uh, but otherwise, I hope I hope I hope you're enjoying the season. <laughs> to the extent it can be enjoyed. 
<laughs> I know Mickey's got to be enjoying it more than she probably thought she would after Ben Roethlisberger went down with his injury. Mickey, welcome to the show. I hope that you enjoy yourself and you're willing to come back at some point. Jim has come back a bunch of times, so whatever it is I'm doing, I guess it's working. Okay, well, we will see how this goes for you this morning. <laughs> I will tell you this. Um, looking forward to this Jets game, I, I, as Jim mentioned at the beginning of the season, the two of us 100% believed this was the season that was meant for us. It was going to be fun. We were going to have a lot of back and forth. And as you just mentioned, unfortunately, my season and my hopes and dreams and my heart kind of stopped really in week two when Ben walked off holding his elbow and everyone thought he was going to need Tommy Don surgery. At that moment, if you had asked me if I thought we would even be in this conversation right now, I would have told you no way, not possible. But at some type of, I believe it was a gift from the football gods, maybe also from the Steelers trying to make us feel better. They did get us Minka Fitzpatrick. And that seemed to spark something on the defense that has created, as you guys both know, quite a season to behold. And now we're, of course, relying on the Ducks. <laughs> a third-string quarterback from Samford. That's not Stanford. That's Samford. And, um, and you know what? To be honest, he's doing a great job out there for us. He's come against, I think it's now, three number one draft picks that he's one against, um, I don't know, He may have, it may have been two, and then Josh Allen would have been the third. But still, you know, I can't complain with Ducks doing. It's just not the season I thought it was going to be. Looking good for win number three coming up this week. <laughs> <laughs> See, you say that, but I don't think you really understand what I saw recently. I will say this about Duck Hodges. First of all, that name just kills me. And second of all, <laughs> the Steelers seem to have been winning mostly in spite of him. Not that he's been terrible, but he hasn't really been asked to do much because, Mickey, like you were saying, that defense is awesome. And there's such a contrast in the way that the offense and the defense have played for the Steelers. The offense is one of the five worst in the league. The defense is one of the five best in the league. So I assume that going into this game, that we're going to see a lot of aggressive defensive formations for the Steelers coming at young Sam Darnold, who has played very well mostly this season. He's had his ups and downs, but if you go back and watch the tape, there's been a lot more good than bad, despite what Jim and I will complain about later involving Adam Gase. <laughs> but I think that when you have a young single caller who's 22 years old and you've got a defense that talented, like you said, with players like Minka Fitzpatrick on it, also J.J. Watt's little brother, T.J. Watt, you're going to come at him aggressively and try and get him to make some mistakes, which has been one of the things that the team has been working on with him, trying to limit those head-scratching mistakes. So do you expect to see that, Mickey? you expect early on for the Steelers to come right at Sam Darnold and try to force some turnovers and some mistakes? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I think our defense completely understands that they're responsible for winning now. Um, and in many ways, they're responsible for scoring, too. We have put Duck in a lot of very difficult positions, primarily because of coaching decisions and play calls. Um, and, of course, our special teams is up and down week to week. It really does go that way. As, as a Jets fan, you can respect that. Um, <laughs> but I do believe... What we want to see from Duck is that we'd like to actually just see him be more of a game manager. I mean, I love that he's got that competitive spirit. He definitely has the gunslinger mentality. 
But I don't know that he has the connections with the wide receivers yet to kind of have them relate to him, come back to him, et cetera. So we need him to manage the game against you guys, and we need our defense to step up and do what they've been doing last several weeks, which is bring a lot of pressure up front and do a lot less of cover two. I'll say this, and Jim, you can relate here. I'll bring you in on this one. Injuries have told the tale for both teams, but as you said, you've got a rant saved up for this. Somehow, the Steelers have found a way to do a better job of navigating the injuries that they've had, and they've had a ton of them. The Jets, on the other hand, it's been used mostly for excuses. Now listen, to an extent, you can understand it because the injuries have been crippling to this Jets team over and over again. Almost all of the key players seem to have been hurt at least for a portion of this season, and so you do have to give Adam Gase a little bit of rope, but as we've talked about, Greg Williams has found a way to get this defense to be one of the top 10 defenses in the league, even with the fact that he's playing with third-string linebackers and played for a lot of the season with third-string-level cornerbacks. Even though Tremaine Johnson was paid $75 million, he probably shouldn't even be on a roster, for example. So there is a contrast there, Jim, as you were mentioning before. Talk to me a little bit about that, because as a Jets fan, it does get frustrating to watch a team like the Steelers be able to do what they're doing with their injuries and then watch the Jets just use the excuses for their injuries. Yeah, you could not have teed me up any better for, for what I was <laughs> what was on my mind. First of all, i got to point out, what you're getting is about half of what I think because if I share everything that I think, I will probably get a restraining order from Adam Gates. <laughs> um, you said give him rope, and I, there are certain things I want to do with that rope. Um, the, I find myself seething with envy about the professionalism that permeates every aspect of the Steelers organization. And, and I envy Nikki for having a team that this, that an organization that does that year in and year out, right? Here's a team, the Pittsburgh Steelers that traded away their best wide receiver because he was a lunatic in Antonio Brown last year, Le'Veon Bell sits out the entire year. They sort of proved he was replaceable with James Conner, but you'd rather not be in that situation for a team. Their superstar, uh, endlessly durable starting quarterback goes down for the entire season in week two, right? The backup second-year guy, Mason Rudolph, is a de facto rookie. He had never taken a snap in his first year. Uh, the backup to him, uh, Duck, is an undrafted free agent. Right? He had never played a snap in the NFL. James Conner misses a bunch of games this year. A bunch of guys on the offensive line miss a bunch of games this year. I watched a game against the Buffalo Bills that the Steelers lost. Um, they don't, didn't have Juju Smith-Schuster. Their starting tight end was out. It was a bunch of no-names out there up against the Bills, a team that we all know is good enough to get to the playoffs and last night confirmed the win. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, with all of those no-names and all of those guys who were practice squad and backups to the backup and all that stuff, they were in that game until the final play. This is what happens when you have Mike Tomlin as a coach and nobody in the organization makes excuses or accepts excuses. Uh, I know Mickey is probably really bummed this morning. You could hear it in her voice, right? But as a fan, this is all you can really ask for, right? Good judgment and a team that plays hard until the final whistle. Steelers started out one and four, right? We were in the same situation as the Jets. And we know how after week five, the entire Jets organization had this vibe of, oh, well, there goes the season. We're not making the playoffs. You know, let's, let's just hope we can get to seven, nine, or eight and eight and be respectful, right? The Steelers pulled themselves together because everybody in the organization expects to win. 
winning ugly, as the Jets did in a bunch of games this year, that's the floor of their expectations, right? When the Jets win ugly, we should be thankful they haven't dunked Adam Gase and Gatorade, right? They have, it's a big, they won the Super Bowl. They're huge. Um, you, I, I don't, I haven't had a chance to watch every Steelers game, but my, my sense from what I glance over at the other television at the bar is that the Steelers very rarely come out and look flat, uninspired, sloppy. They didn't lay an egg against the Miami Dolphins, unlike certain, certain team and coach we know. They didn't blow a game against the Cincinnati Bengals, like a certain team and coach we know. Um, you know that when you come with the, you know, so in, in light of, you know, I went back and like checked some of those losses. Steelers <laughs> lost by two to Seattle. Steelers lost by four to San Francisco. We know San Francisco has been great this year. They lost by three to the Ravens, right? If the Jets had lost by three to the Ravens Thursday night, we would be dancing a jig. (laughs) There's losses on the Steelers. There's nothing embarrassing about them. Whereas a whole bunch of the Jets' losses this year haven't just been losses, haven't just been, they've been embarrassing, right? The kind where players and coaches should not feel good as they collect their (laughs) business. I don't see the Steelers signing the Tremaine Johnsons of the world, guys who get a free big, big uh, contract and somehow lose their passion for the game, right? The Steelers just don't make bad decisions, and everybody in that organization goes out wanting to win. And that's why I, I don't see any – you know, I, I, I fully expect the Steelers to take out all their frustrations about last night against the Jets on Sunday. And I think this has been one of the most dispiriting seasons I've had as a Jets fan. Thank you so much, Jim. Um, first of all, I was going to need a copy of all of that. Um, just, um, to keep yes, in play no. my letter, yes. <laughs> to keep in play my letter. But I feel like you, you one, haven't watched nearly enough Steeler games um, because you don't seem to understand, like, there's a reason we don't live as long as other people. Every <laughs> game that you play is an ugly win. It is so rare for us to go out there and, like, go up and stay up and you know the whole time we're going to win. You can relax and have drinks with your friends. That doesn't happen as a Steelers fan. You are on the edge of your seat. Just as you said, even last night with the Bills, every single game is that way. You are sitting on the edge of your seat until the very final play every week. And while, yes, I think that Tomlin has proved he's really disproven a lot of his doubters. And to me, I said three, four weeks ago, that if he brings this team as it currently is to where we're just above 500 at the end of the year, I think he deserves coach of the year. I think that what we've seen for as far as injuries and of course we had some suspensions in there as well. um, You have all of that going on and what Tom has been able to do with this team is really nothing short of miraculous. And then I think I also look at, you know, we've got Minka, in the running for probably defensive player of the year, but also TJ Watt. I think that he's a strong contender for defensive player of the year. And what's crazy as, as I take all of the nice things that you say about the Steelers organization is that is 100% true. Um, We do make mistakes though. And we usually end up taking responsibility for them in a big way though. And that may be the difference. Um, but as we move forward, it's been crazy for me to watch the huge difference because last year we were number one in the red zone. We were the number one red zone office and we <laughs> offense, and we are now officially the last in red zone efficiency this year, but we have the number one defense, which was not the case last year. Reminds a little bit of those 2009 Jets, Jim, where the quarterback was more or less asked not to do a lot. And they relied on the defense and the running game. Seeing a lot of that in Pittsburgh this year. Yeah, I would say I like to periodically ask people which NFL quarterback holds the record for most road wins in the playoffs. 
And uh, I like to remind them it is Mark Sanchez before. Um, now, the, the people kind of, you know, recoil in that his observation. All, most of your all-time greats, your, your Joe Montanas, your, your Brett Favre's, your, your Elways, and your, your Manning and all that stuff, they didn't have a lot of road playoff games, <laughs> right? When you play for a really good team, you get home playoff games. All four of those, you know, the, rec, the, the, the brief two-year span of the glory years with Rex Ryan, we only had uh, both made it as wild cards. All those games are on the road. And there's, you know, there's a reason uh, that uh, Mark Sanchez is not remembered as one of the all-time great quarterbacks, but he did what he needed to do, particularly in those two years. He, he was perfectly fine at quarterback. He could throw a deep ball, but it was a good running team, and it was a strong defensive team. They took care of you. Know, everything you say, we like, well, he's a good game manager, right? Everybody wants that. Mark Sanchez, those two years, was a perfect game manager. Got the ball where it needed to go. You mm-hmm. know, it looks like the glory days compared to this. And again, you can win with that. Now, can you get to the Super Bowl? Very tough. Um, but here's, I think, I think most Steelers fans, if you guys make, make it as a wild card and get knocked out, I think you'll still look at this year as something of a, of a moral victory because you did so much with so little. Am I wrong? Okay. One, we're Steelers fans. We don't really do moral victories. (laughs) Real wins. (laughs) Um, but having said that, I mean, this, we've, we were forced to as fans take a look at the season with a very different eye than what we would normally. And while we do very much still expect the next man up to step up and play, and as Tomlin always says, the standard is the standard. Mm -hmm. So we do expect to win regardless. We do know that we're not playing with a lot of our normal starters in any of these games. And Mm -hmm. they're not, you know, and having so many people being put on IR and, it's just been a crazy season. So watching these kids play and, and that's really what it does excite me, I guess, probably more than anything is these players are exceptionally young. Um, I think that it's kind of incredible when you look at like our wide and receiver core right now, Uh, everyone's a one or two year guy. And so when you've got wide receivers that are one or two year guys, you've got running backs that are one or two year guys, you've got people on your defense that are making plays for you that are, second and third year guys like it's very easy to look at the team and have excitement but of course my number one concern is not what they're doing right now I want to make sure that one Ben can lose all the weight that he has gained <laughs> while sitting at home on his couch you look like Mal Patricia last night you know that big burly oh I every time they do a shot of him I keep thinking like can he lose the weight by camp because that's what really matters um, I've, I've, you know, everything I've heard as far as the surgery and whatever is good. He's not able to throw yet, but you have to believe that, that as a fan, we're very excited about the promise of having Ben back next year and having this defense developing in the way that it is. It, it definitely is not the worst season we've ever had. Uh, actually, I was gonna say, if I were a Steelers fan and I am not, you know, the good news is you're probably getting Ben Roethlisberger back next year, probably 100%. You'll be, you know, you know, again, Ben Roethlisberger with this defense, you're, you're automatically an AFC contender. I think probably maybe a bigger question is how many years do you get back when, when, when Roethlisberger comes back? Maybe two, maybe three. He's getting up there in years. And I think it's probably safe to say that Mason Rudolph and Duck are not the guy you want to pass the torch to. I think we have been uh, on contract for an additional two years after this season. Um, and I, I firmly believe that if he's willing to play and that he's physically able to play, there's no reason that we wouldn't continue to sign him for at least you know, one or two year extensions. 
because in my opinion, Ben is a Hall of Famer. Um, I think that he is one of the best quarterbacks that I've ever watched play. And he has a certain style and finesse of his very own that I don't think other quarterbacks would have performed nearly as well as he has done thus far in his career in Pittsburgh. Like, can you see Tom Brady in Pittsburgh? I wish because then that would mean he wasn't in New England torturing the Jets for the last 15 years. (laughs) Color me crazy. I know almost every Montana played for the Chiefs. Namath played for the Rams. I just have a hard time believing Brady will play anywhere else. I I think, you know, unless he's got some sort of like unbelievable hunger to compete, a Favre-like situation where he doesn't quite know what he wants to do with his life next and he decides he wants to come back and the team doesn't want to take him back because they've already begun their transition. You know, like, that's the only scenario I can see. And I, even then, I just, I, I think it would just rip the heart out of so many Patriots fans, which we all would love to see. You know, we we're all hoping for it. You right, know, and he's uh, going to complain about that. I just yeah. think his age is more of a factor than anything. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. and, they'll, and I think they'll keep him at the Patriots as long as he wants to play. Let's also keep in mind, for a decade, we've been saying, well, maybe age is going to catch up with Tom Brady. This might actually be the season where you can say age is starting to catch up with Tom Brady. Am I wrong? Or, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) I'll say that much. I'm with you on that. And I also think that we are really getting into what the Patriots consider the season. They are guilty of doing some really vanilla things throughout the season. And you guys know this more than anything. And sometimes you see them come out in the playoffs and they're running completely different offenses than what these defenses have seen. They do it every single year. So I never count them out. I do think, however, that while Brady may not be necessarily showing a great deal of age, some of his receivers are. And I think that it would help to have him have some more, I mean, not for me to, I wouldn't want him to actually get this. Um, But if he had some more weapons, I think that would be helpful. And obviously they did try to get him weapons with Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon. So they saw it too. But, of course, you know, neither of those could behave in the patriot way. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME.
Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. I want to come back to Antonio Brown in a bit, but since we're talking about quarterbacks right now, I want to talk about the Jets quarterback, Sam Darnold, and I want to know what both of you think. Obviously, Jim, you've watched Sam Darnold a lot closer than Mickey has, but Mickey, I'm sure that you've watched some of Sam Darnold. Coming out of USC, uh-huh. a lot of the comparisons were to Ben Roethlisberger. A lot of people said that he had a lot of similarities to Ben, to Tony Romo. Andrew Luck was another one. So first, Jim, you tell me what you've thought about Sam Darnold so far. And then, Mickey, I want to hear what you think about him watching from outside the Jets fan bubble. And also, if you see some <laughs> of those comparisons to Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. Um, for much of Darnold's rookie season, I, I watched with great excitement and optimism, but simultaneous just, you know, uh, seething with frustration about how much the Jets didn't put Darnold in a position to succeed. Uh, the line wasn't good as it needed to be. Pass protection was spotty at best. The running game wasn't very good last year. Um, the receivers would drop passes. Um, he found himself oh, all cut one dumb penalty after another. So he'd often find himself in third and seven, third and 11, third, you know, uh, and sometimes Sam Darnold would succeed in that situation. Sometimes he wouldn't, there were, you know, certainly enough plays that made you feel optimistic. Um, but just one of those things like, you know, the jets weren't doing much to make life easier for their rookie quarterback. Well, now we have the quarterback whisperer. Now we have the <laughs> offensive genius, Adam Gase. It has to get better. No, I actually, I think it's, it's a lot of the same, you know, no improvement. Um, we've seen, I, I checked it out in, in response to something that Joe, uh, Joe Caparoso had tweeted, I think, late last week. Uh, there's been a small improvement in, in Darnold's numbers. A um, little better in completion percentage, slightly longer average per pass completion. Um, little, you know, the, the touchdown-interception ratio is still not where you'd like it to be. He still makes some dumb throws. I am, by and large, I, I am largely comfortable with Sam Darnold. And I, also, I realize that statistically he doesn't look that great in terms of team record. He doesn't look that great, but he's gotten almost zero support both from the team. And I think from the organization, I, I think it's, I, it is malpractice the way they did not attempt to go out and improve the offensive line in the off season. Um, I'm not saying I'm raising money to hunt down Mike McKagan. Um, even though he's left the organization, I still want to hunt him down and punish him for these decisions. Um, so I, I, I find it, a good mostly what I'm seeing from Donald I like, but overall the state of the team is very frustrating, um, and I just love to see what he would do if he had a good offensive line and a decent running game that set up third and four and third and two and all that. Uh, receivers who didn't drop passes, you know, you know, you just if the team just eliminated the dumb penalties, it would look like a completely different offense. And um, so far, there's no sign the Jets are anywhere close to making progress on that. Well, you did make the smart hire of Heinz Ward. (laughs) As far as I can tell from the receivers, they're well coached. They just don't always catch Mm -hmm. balls that are thrown and hit them in the hands, you know, which is like. Yes, and if they learn anything from Heinz, it will be also that you can be the best blocking wide receiver in the league as well. And the dirtiest wide receiver in the league. 
Rodney what are you, Williams. Rodney Harrison now? <laughs> <laughs> Another dirty player, by the way, Rodney Harrison. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Hines is just fine. He is sweet as can be. Nobody could catch Hines Ward, whether it was Ty Law or Darrell Revis or Bain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, here's the thing. I, you know, Hines was actually a great segue into this because you're asking me what I think about Sam Donaldson. And here's the thing. He, in coming out of college, I think I understand why they were making it. One, obviously, he's a big guy, um, mm-hmm. very physical player. He tends to do more shuffling around in the pocket, which is something that Ben does. It's not he kind of moves up and shuffles around mm. in it versus kind of the, the old stand in the back or moving around in a different way. Um, he also has an ability to extend the plays. But once again, it does come down to some of the talent around him. But when Ben came into the league, we had the number one defense. We had Dick LeBeau's defense. And we had the number one defense in the league when Dick, when he who must not be named got injured, that'd be Tommy Maddox for you non-Sailor fans. Um, (laughs) When he who must not be named got injured and Ben came in in that Baltimore game to play, we realized like one, he was going to be able to go in there and he was going to be able to not lose games. And that was basically Ben's role for the first year was to not lose games. And by doing that with the defense, and making good decisions and having great players around him. We were, I think he went um, 15 and one his rookie season. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, his second season, we went on to the Super Bowl. Um, so it was, it, it was very interesting to watch him develop because in the first Super Bowl that he won, he was very much looked at as just the guy who managed the game. And in fact, the only touchdown pass of that particular Super Bowl was thrown by Antoine Randall up. Great University of Indiana quarterback. Right, exactly. Um, but of course, a wide receiver for us. And so, you know, it's it's very hard to look, you know, easy now to, for me to look back on it and see how we did and how it all came through. But I think that there's an opportunity for him to build and develop if he has the right support around him. And right now, he unfortunately does not. Ben was given, had a lot less pressure on him to be the guy who wins the game because the defense was going to do that for him. That's something that, unfortunately, the Jets don't have the luxury of. They do have a top-10 defense, but it's not good enough to be able to carry the team in that way. We had hoped that the addition of Le'Veon Bell was going to do a lot for that. Unfortunately, because of the offensive (laughs) line in large part, it hasn't quite worked out that way. But Le'Veon Bell, as far as I can tell, has been a tremendous teammate. He's done everything asked of him. And considering the fact that 93% of his yards have come after contact, meaning that the offensive line hasn't been able to block anybody, not even Pop Warner players, I have a hard time putting it on him. And I think that he's done about as well as anybody could in this particular situation. So, Jim, I want to ask you what you think about what the Jets have gotten out of Le'Veon Bell. And then, Mickey, I want to go to you because, obviously, you have plenty of feelings on Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what you think about his transition to the Jets and him leaving the Steelers and that whole situation. Because I know that we had a little bit of a back and forth and we were teasing each other about Le'Veon Bell. And so this is a fun chance to talk about him being on the Jets, him leaving the Steelers. And then now, who knows, from everything we're hearing, he may be heading to his third team in the offseason. So, Jim, I'll let you take this one first. Well, there's no getting around it. The game player came, you know, came with controversy. A lot of people weren't sure if he could still perform. A lot of questions, a lot of doubters. Mickey herself was one of the loudest ones. 
And I have to say, I'm going to say it right here, guys. <laughs> the album was terrific. Um, he still has the rhythm. He still can sing. His, his rap game is on. Okay. <laughs> the football. Oh, the football part. Yeah. No. Um, okay. One of the pleasant surprises of this year has been Le'Veon Bell, model citizen. Um, at least maybe until up until the bowling incident when he was out with the the flu and you know he went out bowling and everybody some seemed to think that was somehow not something he would be doing. Look, as you said, model teammate. Um, the probably the fairest objection to Le'Veon Bell this season has been: Did you want to wrap up this much resources and cap room and money in a running back with a piss poor offensive line? And I think it's safe to say that you know, like whatever, however many yards he has, and it's probably only like five hundred or six hundred. I, I didn't look it up before we started. You know, it's not statistically, it's not been a great year by Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell, however, may have made more guys miss this year than in any other season. Um, and a lot of those two yard carry, two, two yard gains that he was supposed to have looked like they were going to be three or four yard losses. Um, and you talk about the importance of downfield blocking from the Steelers and Heinz Ward. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a little more of this from the Jets receivers downfield. Not that you know. He, oh, uh, it is absolutely mind boggling that Gase keeps running Bell up the middle um, and in you know into the box with eight guys and all that kind of stuff. You know, they do an exceptionally little amount running to the outside, which I believe is where. Certainly where I saw a lot of Le'Veon Bell highlight plays when he was at the Steelers. Um, he's been phenomenal as a receiver. Um, I, I don't understand why they don't line him up at receiver more often. Um, he has given everything. He plays hard to the final whistle. I wish the Jets had a team full of Le'Veon Bell. Um, I, I, the, the talk of it, first of all, the idea that Adam, this, you know, these rumors we're hearing that Coach Adam Gase thinks that Bell doesn't quite fit with the Gase system. Well, screw the Gase system then. Right? <laughs> Adam Gase would say Walter Payton doesn't fit in his system. You, you know, if you can't <laughs> find a room for Le'Veon Bell in your offense, then you don't have an NFL offense. Good heaven, you know. Yeah, so I, I, I find... Tell us how you really feel, Dan. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I can't believe, you know, He's been one of the few th- players on this on this team who's giving 110% game after game. And look, when you're used to winning with the Steelers, like this is the exact formula to watch Le'Veon Bell go off on some you know angry rant on social media, and he hasn't done it as of this recording time. Uh, I mean, he, he might be a ticking time bomb in the sense of great frustration with this lousy season. He's got lousy blocking. He's got you know he had a, a you know this no-name backup quarterback for three games. It's, you know, people are probably – he's been a, a non-entity when people yeah. talk about the great NFL quarterbacks this season, or great yeah. NFL running backs this season. Yeah? You are confusing Le'Veon with Antonio. They're yeah. two very different people. You know, because, listen, here's the thing, Tim. Le'Veon was a problem in a very different way in that he kept thinking that he needed more money than we were willing to give him and then sign with you guys for actually less, which was a whole nother thing. But everyone in Pittsburgh was fine with Le'Veon getting his money. We were in fine with him sitting out in the preseason. We all thought he was going to be back by week four. I didn't even start to really hate on Le'Veon until he decided he wasn't coming back at all after week eight. And that was primarily because I felt like he had really let down his teammates and his players. But prior to that, we wanted to pay him um, as fans and I think as an organization. He was a good teammate. He is a very, very special player. And you're absolutely right. He is as good as having a little slot receiver there um, as he is as having an amazing and phenomenal running back who gives it all when he's on the field. However... 
I think that you're not going to see any backlash from Le'Veon on any of this because he kind of likes to play football, but he really does like to rap. And I think (laughs) that he's kind of in the perfect situation where you guys aren't coming after him hard for, you know, he, he does not expect you to do a lot. You know, if you get something, you guys give him 34 yards, y'all are like, yay. Um, that That's good for him. Like, I don't see he's like going to be uncomfortable. Whereas AB was the one who constantly went to the social media, was constantly complaining, causing like, let me, we had one issue with him off field. It was associations with Garrett Blunt, of course. Um, Le'Veon has, you know, some trouble occasionally passing the drug test. But other than that, we liked him a lot. And so, I, you know, and specifically, you know, we, talk, we might talk about Antonio Brown later. But specifically, after watching what happened with Antonio Brown, I have a new respect for um, Le'Veon. And I, I dislike him considerably less. And, you know, it, it's just a whole different scene after you've been through the A-B thing. <laughs> Hurricane AB. Let me throw a right. strange scenario at you, Mickey. Just out of curiosity here. There's a lot of talk that the Jets are going to be looking to trade Le'Veon Bell in the offseason. Everybody knows that Adam Gase didn't want him, and so they may be looking to move on and reallocate those resources elsewhere. After the 2020 season, that contract becomes very, very minimal. You're talking about cap hits that are very low. So it would just be the 2020 season where he's making $15 million. And there's talk that the Jets, as part of a deal, might be willing to eat a portion of that 2020 salary. Would the Steelers be a decent home for Le'Veon Bell to come back to? Is that something that could be repaired? Because I think that Le'Veon Bell still fits that Steelers offense as well as he ever did. And if he were to go back there, I think he could light up the league the same way that he did before. Now we got his money. Is it possible that maybe the Steelers, if they gave up a late round pick, could there be some sort of scenario where Le'Veon Bell would be welcome back or no? You know, it's a business, and so you always have to take that into consideration. So I don't know as far as what bridges were burned with him and his agent. I used to think that he had the worst agent in the NFL. Um, But I don't know what bridges were burned as far as, you know, the agreements that were made and things of that nature. But as far as whether or not he fits into our offense, absolutely. Um, If you could just pop him right back in, especially, again, with Ben returning in the fall, it would be amazing for the Steelers on the field. Um, and if we could figure out a way to not take a huge cap hit for it, um, it'd be like getting him back for free, basically. I think that would be an interesting scenario. I wonder what's going to happen with Le'Veon Bell in the offseason. And as you said, Mickey, it sounds like there may have been some bridges burned, but there are a lot that may not have been burned. I know that he still had a close relationship with Mike Tomlin, who really, really liked Le'Veon Bell. So perhaps Tomlin mm-hmm. who now has even more stroke, I would imagine, because of the job that he's done this season. If he speaks up and says that he would like to bring Le'Veon Bell back, perhaps that's something we see. Ben would support it as well. I don't think Ben would support bringing A.B. back, but yeah, he may support bringing back oh, no. Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> oh, no, no. A.B., A- nobody's going to support bringing A.B. back, yeah. but I think that Ben can support that. Yes, Bell yeah. uh, Various law enforcement agencies might have a problem with bringing him back as well, depending <laughs> on how those issues shake out. <laughs> So let's talk about this game. We talked about what we expect to see from the Steelers' defense, but Jim, I'm going to go to you first, and then Mickey, I'll go to you. How do you guys expect this to play out? Um, look, I, I, you know, 
we've seen occasional uh, good games from the Jets this season. I was lucky enough to take uh, some of my family when they were playing the Redskins down here. Probably the most complete game the Jets have played against an admittedly terrible Redskins team. Um, look, I'd love to see the Jets come out, play with fire and passion. Um, you know, they, they, yes, they've got injuries, but, you know, look, a team with uh, – first of all, I, I do think the offensive line has played better, including surprisingly uh, pretty well against a Baltimore Ravens defense that is pretty darn tough. Sam Darnold, uh, when he is hot, he is super hot. I think when you look at that uh, really narrow window pass he made uh, Thursday night uh, to get it into uh, to Jefferson Crowder. Um, and Crowder having dropped the previous pass, which was, you know, mind-boggling. So, so look, the Jets are capable of scoring points. The, the Jets are capable of, of moving the ball. And I think you're correct that Greg Williams has been, you know, made gotten chicken you-know-what and turned it into chicken salad much of this year. Um, I don't like the, the injury excuse uh, that we've seen from Jet, some Jets fans for a lot of the season. That having been said, I did think about on Thursday night, they didn't have Quinn and Williams. They didn't have C.J. Mosley and, and uh, Avery Williams, and who've been out the entire year. Uh, but do you love how, like, you know, C.J. Mosley strained his quad week one. It was a minor injury, and he's ended up missing almost the entire season. <laughs> then you just notice these things where you have, like, oh, it's a, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a toe turf. It's a minor thing. Oh, you know what? He's missed 15 games, right? You know, anyway. Um, uh, you know, uh, J- Jamal Adams. I, I, I hope Jamal Adams comes back because this defense is completely different based on, on when he's on the field. People believe that the Jets' pass rush had fixed itself during that little mini three-game winning streak. It was entirely because of Jamal Adams splitting. Jamal Adams is the best defensive end or outside linebacker on this team. He just happens to play safety. Um, so look, if all, if all of that cooks, you know, based on the state of the, the Steelers we saw last night, sure, the Jets could win this game. Uh, I don't expect that to happen because I think the Steelers have a lot more to play for. I think, as I said, there's just this permeation of professionalism and accountability throughout their entire organization. Um, and that they will, they will make mid-game adjustments, which we apparently, the Jets never do. Apparently we, apparently we just sit around in, in uh, halftime and eat orange slices. I, I don't know what the Jets are doing at halftime. Um, I, you know, I, I am extremely down on Adam Gates. You know, I, I think, you know, would we, would we, would we won the, the, the Dolphin game. It's like, well, that's our last chance at a win, victory for the year. Um, and it's a home game. It's going to be very depressing. Um, so my guess is, is this turn, you know, it, start, it keeps close in the, in the first half and in the second half. Steelers pull away, and it turns out to be something like, 24 to 13 or something like that. Interesting that that's, that is the score that you come up with. Uh, knowing how we play, I don't know if we can get that high. Um, I, I, look, I, it's, I believe that we are going to come in there with putting forth the best defense that we have, which is the best defense in the league. They are incredible. We have two legit contenders for defensive player of the year, um, although I still believe T.J. Waters, above and all, should get it. Um and I think that that's going to play a huge role because we are playing with, you know, as you mentioned, kind of a practice squad put together. I, I like to think of it as, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, the movie Necessary Roughness. Of course. Where Keanu Reeves <laughs> had to step in because the football players were on strike and they brought people into play. That's what our team kind of looks like on offense specifically um, this season. It's, it, and it's kind of hard to judge what's going to happen. Um, I know that you all have a strong defense. I would like to see us use all of those running backs that we have and not use the Wildcat. I am not a fan of Randy Finker, the um, 
Spinter, Finter, Spinter, whatever. His, our, our offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach has made poor decisions at critical times throughout every game this year. And so I expect him to make poor decisions as well during the Jets game, which could then put us in jeopardy. Because, again, when you're operating with an offense that your goal is just to not screw things up, you can't screw things up. Mickey, I do have to fact check you there a little bit. You said Necessary Roughness. That was the movie with Sinbad, and that was the one about the fictional college team. You were talking about the replacements with Keanu Reeves. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Yes, the replacements with Keanu. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. I will say this. I think that what Mickey said is 100% on target in terms of her first statement where she said 24 points. I don't know if the Steelers can get that high. That was my first thought when you said that, Jim, because I think that, believe it or not, as much as we want to bag on Adam Gase, if this becomes an offensive battle, it favors the Jets. So I think that if the Steelers are going to win this game, and I do expect them to win it, they're going to have to make it an ugly game where it's a low-scoring game, and that's what I expect it to be. So I think that you're looking at a game that's probably going to be more along the lines of, say, 20-16 to 16 or something like that. But it'll be an interesting one. I think that this will be a really nice test for young Sam Darnold to see if he can play really well against one of the league's best defenses. And like we talked about before, and as Mickey has brought up a bunch of times, the Steelers have two guys that are legitimate candidates for Defensive Player of the Year in T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick. So if he's able to do well against this defense, it'll give the Jets something to smile about, regardless of whether or not they win this game. Mickey, I wanted to ask you, since we brought up Adam Gason, Jim and I have plenty of rants saved up, and I'm going to go to Jim after you, because I know that Jim is just chomping at the bit, ready to really smash Adam Gase. He talked about him a little bit before, but I'm sure he's got plenty left to say. What are your thoughts as somebody from, as I said before, outside the Jets fan bubble, watching Adam Gase and what he's been doing with this offense? I know that you kept an eye on him a little bit when he was the head coach of Miami, so you've seen some of this before, but what do you think? I like, Well, I liked him was confused as to why you would hire someone that got fired by Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't, I didn't see him do anything down there that was impressive. I honestly haven't seen him do anything here in New York that's been impressive, except he seems to like to, and maybe this is part of the culture problem, but he definitely seems to like to shift blame. And he also definitely seems to, um, when it comes to actual game planning and as you talked about adjustments and things of that nature, it's almost as though he has a game plan regardless of who your opponents are and chooses to run with that game plan, whether or not it makes sense. Jim, does that sound about right? Uh, it's, I was just to say how remarkably accurate it was. So <laughs> quite, a few, quite a few times I have thought about writing up a long, angry essay and sending it over to you guys at turn, uh, turn on the jets. 
I've hesitated. I've written it. I've put it back. I've gone back. I've changed it. It, I I still may send it at the end. It it always seemed to be overtaken by events of the subsequent loss um, by the time I finished it. But the the gist would be when, when, you know, the Jets had a bunch of good options for, um, for head coach at the end of last year. I think we can all agree that as much, you know, I, I Todd, Todd Bowles seems like a really decent human being and still a very solid defensive coordinator, but just a guy who you know was just not getting it done as head coach of the Jets. Uh, I know a lot of folks like the idea of Matt Rule from Baylor, uh, Eric Bieniemy, uh, or as Chris Berman would call him, sleeping with Bieniemy uh, over at Kansas City's <laughs> offensive coordinator. Um, you know, there, there was a really good potential there. I don't think there was a uh, what's the guy who had been in, uh, McCarthy from from the Packers, right? There was mm-hmm. no shortage of promising candidates where you could say, okay, I can see what they're doing with that. Nobody in the Jets fan base was saying, ooh, go for Adam Gase. And I don't quite under, like, I, the only explanation that's ever made sense to me was this uh, report that the Jets wanted to select the, the, the defensive staff. That's what held back Matt Rule, and Gase agreed to this asinine rule. If, if you're, first of all, yeah, let Chris Johnson sign off. <laughs> All your assistant coaches. He knows a lot about football. <laughs> there are a lot of parallels between the Q-tip market and uh, professional football. Um, and I, this is back during the days of Mike McKagan, arguably, I think, the worst Jets personnel hire since Rich Kotite. Um, but so so we ended up with Gase. And I don't think there was anybody in the fan base who was uh, optimistic about it, enthusiastic about it, liked it. But, you know, hey, he's an offensive genius. He's a quarterback whisperer. We're going to see remarkable things from, from Sam Darnold because of this. By the way, everybody who's left, uh, everybody who leaves Adam Gase suddenly turns out terrific, right? Tannehill is just lighting up the league over in Tennessee now that he's not having Adam Gase managing him and all that stuff. Um, but so Gase goes in there, and I think over the course of the offseason, most of us had this sense of like, oh, okay, all right, you know, he, uh, he, he was really good, you know, with uh, that year with, with the Denver Broncos as an offensive coordinator. All right, you know, we talked ourselves into believing there was a reasonable case. And there were occasional warning signs, but you know what? They looked okay in preseason. And then they blew that 16-point lead in um, the first game against Buffalo. Darnold got mono, and the team just stunk up the joke. Oh, uh, uh, Trevor Simeon, you know, w- w- was it, we could measure his Jets career in milliseconds. Um, because he got injured so quickly in that Monday night game. And at that point, it's like, well, both of our quarterbacks are injured. What are you going to do? And we went on a three-game losing streak. Somehow, miraculously beat the, the Dallas Cowboys. But then we just went back and lost again. You got to that one and four. You know, when you start out one and four, you know you're out of the playoff race unless your team is the Pittsburgh Steelers and the team pulls it together. <laughs> um, and I, week after week, you know, after watching not just, you know, the Jets disappointing, but at least you could say a little point to the defense and say, okay, Greg Williams has these guys playing hard. We have more three and outs. We have more runs. You know, you know, every, there's so many Jets drives where it's run up the middle for no gain or for you know, two yards. Darnold throws on second down. It's an out pattern or a flat screen that doesn't get anywhere nearly as enough yards. Um, and we're all kind of frustrated by it. But, like, you know, okay, well, now it's like, oh, there's a dumb penalty. Holding, false start, something sets up like third and 11. And then Darnold gets sacked because our line stinks. And that's what the offense did, you know, drive after drive after drive after drive. And I kept asking week after week, what is Adam Gates good at? It's not clock management. It's not, per- it's not he's not players coach. Players don't like him. He's certainly not good with the media. Uh, we had all, I, I, the other thing was just baffling me. And I'd love to hear other Jets fans give me an explanation. I've never seen Jets beat writers go so in the tank for a new head coach who's failing so obviously and spectacularly. 
every postseason uh, press conference is the same of, you know, well, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. We had a really good practice this year. You don't get paid to practice. You get paid to perform on the field on Sundays or on Monday nights, depending on when the game is. Right? That is your job. That's the only thing we as fans have to go on. So don't tell me how great things looked on Monday, Tuesday, on, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Don't tell me how great somebody's looking in practice because his job is to be good during the games, and they have to do that. It's just one excuse after another, and it's just unbelievable. Yeah, you know, was this was this roster assembled blindly and, and foolishly by Mac? Yes, but you know the play calling is terrible. Uh, there's no, it's not up tempo. It's slow. You see Donald throwing well below behind the line of uh, uh, never mind, line of scrimmage defense. That's only not throwing for the first down marker. Doesn't seem anywhere near aggressive enough. Maybe that reflects the line stinking. But you know what? Put extra blockers in there. I, I don't understand why um, there were like for a whole bunch of those games. The five guys on the offensive line were terrible, and he wouldn't leave a running back running back in there to block. He wouldn't leave a tight end in there. Certainly wouldn't leave two tight ends in there. It's just been one. You know, I every week there's some sort of why did they do that decision? And you get the post game press conference, and Gay's like, well, that's just. That's just what we felt was the right call in that decision. And the guy, the announcers on TV can't understand why they're doing these sorts of things. So it's been a thoroughly, I think the Adam Gaze hire was a colossal mistake. I can't understand how you go one in seven and the uh, owner says, oh, we're keeping him back, not just for the rest of the year, because we don't want to avoid a, a midseason replacement. We're guaranteeing he's going to be here all through 2020. If you're a Jets fan, there's, the only hope you have is that Joe Douglas is going to assemble a better roster. And that probably can get you to seven, nine, eight, and eight, and that's our improvement. It is mind-boggling that the Jets went four and twelve, spent a bazillion dollars in free agency, bring in Le'Veon Bell, bring in all these high-priced guys. They're going to go five and eleven, and Chris Johnson is going to say to Jets fans, "This is the improvement we were looking for. This is the threshold we felt Adam Gase had to meet to believe we're headed in the right direction." I, I, I eventually I'm gonna have to stop, but I, I could talk to you. This would be the longest podcast in history as just as Jim lays out everything is wrong with the Jets. <laughs> in listening to you, Jim, I am once again reminded just how spoiled I am. <laughs> the one thing that Steelers fans always can rely on, like things happen, decisions are made. We say, trust the Rooney, trust the Rooney. It's like a mantra and it works. So, yeah, um, our organization's different. I'll say this. Jim, you're probably familiar with my theory on this. And, Mickey, you probably aren't. So you're going to hear it now for the first time. Back in January of 2003, the Jets handed Peyton Manning the worst defeat of his career, 41 nothing. It was a playoff butt-kicking at the old Giants stadium, courtesy of Chad Pennington. And I think that Peyton Manning waited 16 years to get his revenge in the form of recommending Adam Gase to be the head coach of the New York Jets. So he was playing the long game, but I think that Peyton Manning finally got the Jets back for embarrassing him in the playoffs 16 years ago. I never suggest hiring a offensive coordinator that's worked with Peyton Manning because he pretty much calls the offense. Again, yeah, like, if you say, look, my offense can work wonders as long as I have Peyton Manning at quarterback, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you or I can pull, pull it off. <laughs> I feel like, and by the way, like there, there were bits of this in my frustrations with Todd Bowles, where they'd say, look, you know, the Bowles defense really relies on a shutdown corner. So they just went out and got, you know, tried to get one. Well, the Bowles defense really requires two shutdown corners. Well, hold on a second. 
first of all, shutdown corners are harder to find than hen's teeth. Okay. You know, they're expensive. Every team wants them. Every team's lucky if they've got one good cornerback and one eh, pretty good cornerback, right? The, you know, one of the reasons the Steelers turned it around is they went out and got Minka Fitzpatrick and he started intercepting passes left and right. You know, you know, the, the idea, yeah. Every time a coach says, well, look, my team works. I just need the right kind of personnel. And they just happen to all need to be all pros at those positions. Well, great. Anybody can make that work. So this idea that, you know, all oh, the players aren't fixing the, <laughs> the, the gay system, let the gay system go out and win something. And then I'll decide that it's worth uh, uh, going out on a shopping list for players to fit it. A fitting thought to end this podcast. Jim Garrity, Mickey White. The Jim and Mickey show is where you can usually find them bantering together. Thanks so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Glad we were able to talk about this Jets-Steelers game coming up on Sunday. And if you want to go to the Jets' home finale in the 2019 season against the Steelers at MetLife Stadium, you can get yourself tickets right now over on the Vivid Seats mobile app. And you can get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase when you use the promo code Overtime. You can go to that game or you can go to a different sporting event. Maybe you want to go to a basketball game or a hockey game. You might want to go to a wrestling match, a boxing match. Maybe you don't want to do sports. Maybe you want to go to a concert. Whatever it is you want to do, use the promo code OVERTIME and you will get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. Jim, Mickey, I want both of you to let everybody know where they can find you. Mickey, this is your first time on the show. I really hope that you had enough fun that you'll come back at some point. Jim, you know that you've got an open invitation. I'm hoping that in the offseason when I do those roundtables that I do every year that you'll participate like you have in past seasons. So, Jim, I'll start with you. Why don't you let everybody know what you're working on and where they can find you, and then we'll go to Mickey. Sure. Uh, Jim and uh, Mickey and I do the Jim and Mickey show eh, once every couple of weeks. Uh, you can find it on SoundCloud and pretty much every other service that offers podcasts. Uh, we are both on Twitter. We use the hashtag TJAMS, T-J-A-M-E-S. Wait, no, not that's, that's T-James. T-J-AMS, <laughs> T-J-A-M-S with the hashtag. This is why you don't do the Taylor. Right? Yeah, you know, I do, a, I do a podcast. Listen to it. Google it. I don't know. Um, and we have lots of fun talking about movies and television and, uh, what's going on in, in, you know, the world of pop culture and entertainment. Uh, the three Martini lunch podcast is, uh, with Greg Columbus. That one's daily politics. I write for national review. If you're on my side of the political aisle, great. Check it out. If you're not, maybe you'll like it. You probably won't. I'm not going to fool you. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I, I periodically, my Sunday tweeting, I, I, I pick up, uh, you know, a lot of folks are writing about Hong Kong. Uh, the Hong Kong protests. I started picking up a lot of followers out there and I feel bad for these people because every Sunday they, they you know, not following America. They probably wonder why is he so angry about airplanes? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, thank you so much for having us and having me on the show. I absolutely will come back anytime that you invite me to. You can find us um, pretty much on any of your podcasters at iTunes, Spotify. It is the Jim and Mickey show. It is the hashtag TJAMS, T-J-A-M-S. You can also find me on Twitter at Biased Girl. And, uh, and on there, I do talk some politics, but I talk mostly sports and pop culture. So hit me up there. And again, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's been great. And certainly, you know, I'm looking forward to a good game on Sunday. We, 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 we thought this year would have a lot of football talk, and week by week, my interest is winning. You did try to cancel the season, I think, week three at one point. <laughs> yeah. 
I just hope that Mickey isn't cursing us out on Twitter if the Jets somehow find a way to pull off the upset on Sunday, Jim. <laughs> if you do, it'll be our fault. So, now, if, if we happen to beat the Steelers, one, this would almost make it an okay season. Uh, and two, I would definitely hold that over Mickey, like the entire offseason. <laughs> yeah, so probably, like, it's more important to me that we win to beat the Jets, obviously, to continue our hunt for this crazy spot, <laughs> the wild card spot, which is insane to me. Um, that we're even in the hunt, and also so that I can have bragging rights over them for as long as necessary. <laughs> there you go. A reason to listen to the next Jim and Mickey show because after that game happens, you'll see who's got the bragging rights and who's going to rub it in the other person's face. So make sure that you're following both Jim and Mickey on Twitter so that you know exactly when they do their next show so you can hear that. At Bias Girl is Mickey. At Jim Garrity is Jim. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. Let's turn on the Jets digital and turn on the Jets.com. <laughs>